Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for this very first week in this series called How to Get Through What You're Going Through. And here's what I know. Everybody's going through something. It may be really, really big in the world's eyes. It may be really, really small in the world's eyes. But when you're going through it, it's still you got to get through it. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 24. That's where we're going to be this morning, Acts 24. If you don't have a Bible this morning and you want to follow along, the easiest way is our North Star Church app. You can go to the app store, North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store, and that is the place that we will uh, reside out of, and all the notes are there. You might have gotten a little bulletin on the way in, and that'll give you some places to scribble down some stuff. So if you are new to North Star and you've come the last two weeks, you're like, oh, I thought the pastor here was young. All right, welcome to North Star, all right? And so, but I've gotten to be out in the crowd the past two weeks. It's been awesome. Didn't Cole and Casey last week, didn't they do a great job? Would you let them know today? It was so awesome. It was just so great to sit out there and know that the future at North Star is bright with Cole, Casey, Sellers, somebody of our young team. I was at Publix uh, Thursday or Friday, and the sweet little lady at Publix uh, uh, comes to our 930 crowd, Miss Susan, and she's like, I, it was so neat to see your son up there last week. Casey, I know this is going to hurt your feelings, but she said, I just looked at him and thought, y'all look so much alike. I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't know. It may be her eyes. I don't know, but, but it meant a lot to me. But anyway, so here we go. Let's pick up where we are today. Casey left us last week with the Apostle Paul. So let's, let's, let's call time out real quick. Did God have a huge plan for Paul's life, yes or no? In fact, we, we could honestly say outside of Jesus, generationally, Paul's has had as much impact on generations as anybody in Scripture did Paul, yes or no, did Paul have a mission for his life that he wanted to make a difference in, yes or no? Y'all don't sound quite as sure. All right, did Paul have a mission for his life he wanted to make a difference in, yes or no? Yes. Okay. And yet we find Paul where we find him today. Casey left us last week. There was this major uprising. They got guys mixed up, and they have zeroed in on Paul. They've arrested Paul. Paul now is in jail, and now he's awaiting another trial. Doing what God called him to do, right where God told him to be, and we find him where we find him, Acts chapter 24, verse 27. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? We're just reading one verse, one verse. I want you to read with me what Luke recorded about where we are today. After how many years? After two years went by in this way. Time out. Not two minutes, not two weeks, not two hours, not two months, two years. Paul 
sat in jail awaiting a trial he shouldn't have even had to be at. Paul's a Roman citizen. Paul deserved better. Paul's being mistreated. Paul is being wrongly accused and all these things are going on. Paul sat for two years. Listen to what it says. After two years went by in this way, Felix, who was the ruler, was succeeded by Portius Festus. In the last service, I said Portius Festivus. Wrong, Araga, it's Seinfeld. But anyway, so Portius Festus. So now there is a leadership change, which we know doesn't expedite anything. And because Felix wanted to, ha- to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. So it's all a polit- political move. Bad part is, Paul is stuck in a prison cell of waiting. Waiting from where he is to where he believed God wants him to be. And here's what I would tell you in this room today, watching online today. Some of you are in a season of waiting, and today's for you. Would you pray with me? Would you take your lips and your hearts and tell God what you need from him today? Would you? You don't have to do it out loud. You can do it in the quietness of your heart. Maybe it's an answer. Maybe it's an open door. Maybe it's a new season. Would you tell him where you are? And would you tell him, God, I need to hear from you today? God, speak to us and teach us. And God, may we leave here with some truths that may not change our situations, but may change us while we're in our situations. God, do what you need to do today. And Father, I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and find somebody around you. Now, this is the honesty part. And tell them, I hate waiting. Do that real quick. Do that real quick. Everybody. All right. Can I get an amen? If you hate waiting, just say amen. It's crazy. We hate waiting. People are so angry. Do you ever like pause before you leave a stoplight and somebody behind you starts honking at you? Does it ever happen to you guys? I have live sent bumper stickers. They still honk at me. All right. It's like, what what do you want me to do? People are just angry. People hate to wait. They hate waiting. Why? Because when we're waiting, we're not in control. When we're waiting, it's not on our timetable. Paul, mission, called by God, and now he's stuck in a jail cell. Surely this isn't what God called him when he was on the road to Damascus for. Surely this must be a big, tragic error and mistake. But yet, Paul waits. I want you to write a little thought in at the top, and then we're going to dive into our notes. Ready? 
Delays, I want you to write this phrase down. Delays are not denials. Delays are not denials. Some of us are in a season of a delay, and it may be an extended delay, but it may not be a denial. As we live out our journeys, now this is terrible news, there are going to be waiting seasons all throughout your journey. So I remember <clears throat> being back in college, and so our athletic academic advisor gave us a sheet, and as you took a class, you filled in your sheet, and you only took the class once. That was the goal, right? You took the class, and you checked it off, and you checked it off, and you checked it off. And I remember getting down to where I remember my last semester of college, I only had seven hours of classes to take because I'd, I was ahead, and I'd taken all of them, and all I had to do was check them off. Because in college and in high school, you only take the class once, right? All right, how many of you that are out of high school and college now, you wake up sometimes in a cold sweat thinking you have to go back? Do y'all ever feel that way? Like they're going to show up and give you a math test and take your diploma, all right, because you don't know how to do any of this stuff. See, we, we just want to take something once. Here's the hard part about God's season of waiting. Everybody look at me. You're going to take that class over and over and over and over again. We use a phrase here at North Star, God never wastes our time and he never wastes our experiences. And I would tell you, he never wastes your waiting. So what do we need to do? It's not if you're going to go through a season of waiting. When you go through a season of waiting, what do you do? Principle number one, right there in your outline. Don't waste my waiting. Don't waste it. How do I waste it? I want you to write this little thought down, and we're going to talk about it. We don't learn lessons while we're in it. That's how we waste it. So every day, Casey and I are out at a football field. <clears throat> we, at the local high school that we help at, there was a, a kid. He was not... Um, ready to be out there yet. So he was in street clothes every day and he, he just wanted to play. And the answer of him getting to play wasn't coming quick enough. And he got frustrated. And when we get frustrated, we pout. That's what we did. Even as an adult, we pout. So here's this kid. He's wanting to get in. He's wanting to be a part of the team. He's wanting to play. He's not approved yet. He's not able to get out on the field yet. And I, every day when he would come out at practice, I'm like, all right, listen, man, you got to listen in. You got to pay attention today. You got to go to your running backs coach. You need to listen to the plays. So when the time comes and you're ready, you're not making up on all the time you missed. That's not what he did. He, he put his... He'd cross his arms and he'd, he'd get upset. He'd sit over on the bench by himself. You do it. We're just adults. We hide it a little better. But we, do any of y'all ever pout because something doesn't come your way at the right time? I do. Here's the hard part. When he finally got approved, he had a couple weeks to catch up on learning plays because he wasn't ready. Don't waste your waiting. Ladies and gentlemen, 
It's not a question of if you're going to wait. It is a question of while you wait, what are you going to learn? Paul. Could Paul have been ticked off? He got left in jail as a Roman citizen. You better doggone believe he could have been ticked off. But you know what Paul did during his seasons in jail, his seasons in prison? He wrote the majority of what you know today is the New Testament. He never wasted his waiting. Look, look at the way Simon Peter says it. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure. <clears throat> Two words come next, and I hate these words. So even though you must endure, you must get through. What are the next two words? Not one trial. You don't remember, you don't get to take the class once. Many trials. But then Simon Peter says something next that was really interesting. For a little while, <clears throat> when you're in a season of waiting, everybody look at me, it seems like it's going to last forever. Do you all agree with that? It just seems like there, it's, well, I'm never going to get out of this. How does Simon Peter say a little while? It's perspective. So I sat with a family this week going through a really hard time. And we talked about this illustration. I remember years ago, I tied a rope on that end of the steps. I tied it all the way on that end of the steps. And I said, this rope represents all of eternity, the beginning and the end. And I drew a little scratch about this long. And I said, that is our lives. An 80, 90, 100-year life in the span of eternity is about that long. You know how Paul and Simon Peter can endure the trials and troubles they went through. They knew that in the span of eternity, everybody look at me, it's just a little while. You must endure the trials for a little while. Don't waste the lessons you can learn in the trials because they're there. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you, right? A little honesty time here. <clears throat> How many of you in your season of waiting? Now, remember, we could go from the most tragic of tragic things that are life horrific to a season of waiting that's just a pain in the rear end and frustrating. You're going to go through all of them. How many of you, when you go through those seasons, you wonder if God's forgotten about you? Raise your hand. How many of you, when you go through those seasons, you're frustrated with God? Raise your hand. How many of you, when you go through those seasons, you even get to the point of wondering, does God even care about me? Raise your hand. Simon Peter tells us what to do when we go through those seasons. He said, give all your cares to the Lord. How many of you, when you feel that way, don't want to tell him how you feel? It's like, I don't want to upset him. I don't want to. He knows, right? He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. Why does he tell us? Why does he tell us to give all our stuff to the Lord? Because one of the ways we learn lessons in our season of waiting is when we go, God, I can't do this, but you can. It's one of the ways we learn lessons. It's one of the ways we make it. It's one of the ways we figure this thing out. 
Don't waste your waiting. Now, here's what I would say. In this room today are all kinds of seasons. We've got the season of children, the season of teenagers, the season of college students, the seasons of young adults, the seasons of, of adults that aren't young anymore. We got all kinds of we got all kinds of seasons going on here. So all our waiting time looks different. But I would tell you this: don't waste it. There's a lesson to be learned in it. Principle number two: not only do we not waste. Our waiting, if I'm faithful with the what, God will take care of the when. <clears throat> if I'm faithful with the what, God will take care of the when. I want you to write this little phrase down. We're going to unpack it a little bit. Control the controllables. Control the controllables. One of the ways we learn is giving up control. Ladies and gentlemen, there are many parts of your life you have no control over. One thing you do have control over is your attitude while you go through it. That is a controllable. Control the controllables. Here's what you can't control. Everybody look at me. When God does things, you can't control that. I don't care how hard you work. His calendar is not going to sync up with your calendar. Ain't going to happen. You're like, if God would, can we be honest? If God would just do it when we need it done, it sure would be better. Wouldn't that be good? God just said, oh, they need, I'll just do that. That doesn't work like that. Control what you can. This book, the beginning of it, to the end of it is the story of people like you and I that learned during this. And here's the word I want you to write down. They learned to trust God and his timing. I want you to write that down. They learned to trust God and his timing. Your spiritual journey is all about learning to trust. So let's go back to the Old Testament. <clears throat> There's a character in the Old Testament named Abraham God told Abraham, I am going to make you the father of many nations. Here's the problem. Abraham and Sarah didn't have kids. How can you be the father of many nations when you don't have kids? God comes to Abraham in his late years, 90 plus, and said, I'm going to give you a son. Now, that's great to read, but I mean, Abraham and Sarah now are in their 90s, bumping 100. They were the age when Abraham chased Sarah around the house and he caught her. He couldn't remember why he's chasing her. All right, and so they, they're, they're on up there, right? They, they've been at this thing for a while. So you know what Abraham does? God's timing wasn't working. Abraham asked his wife, it's okay if he sleeps with his maidservant, Hagar, and they have a child since God wasn't in any hurry, and so they do. His name's Ishmael, the son that he gave Abraham and Sarah, which she did have a child. His name was Isaac. Both of them think that they're the children of Abraham. Both of the nations say they are due God's blessings, and we have the Palestinian-Israeli divide to this day. 
I remember when 9-11 happened, we were, West Wing was on, and watches it. I only watch Christian television. But anyway, so West Wing, West Wing was on in our house. I remember that. And uh, I remember the name of the show. Name of the show. That episode was called Isaac and Ishmael. Talking about the whole crisis that's going on all goes back to Abraham trying to speed up God's timing. Everybody look at me. God's going to show up right when he needs to show up, and it will never be early, but it's never going to be late. It just may not be you're early or you're late. You got to give up control, and you got to trust. I hate being out of control. I like being in control. When we go on a trip, I drive. Worst driver in the bunch. I like being in control, right? I just like it. The spiritual journey is all about learning to live like this. I remember when Ann and I first got married, <clears throat> and we, we were taught by our parents to tithe and to give. And so we had said, we're going to take the first 10%. And I remember we'd just gotten married. We bought our first house, $88,000 house. Wouldn't you love to buy a house for $88,000 now? But anyway, so back then, it seemed like, I remember signing the note going, I ain't ever going to pay this thing back. But anyway, so I remember signing the, signing the thing. And we were sitting at the kitchen table. I was at my first job. First job. I remember sitting at the kitchen table in Woodstock, Georgia. We're doing our budget. I made a little over $28,000 as a youth pastor. Out of that had to come my, our insurance and what they called professional expenses. So anytime I want to take somebody out or do something for my ministry, it came out of my, which made you not want to do anything, but it came out of your check. So we didn't make that much. And I remember going, all right, let's write all our bills down. Here's the problem. We had more bills than we had money coming in. You ever been there? But God says, I want you to trust me with the 10%. And we're like, oh, okay, Lord, our parents did it and worked for them, so we just live like this. You know the crazy part? Looking back, that was a long time ago. We we're 22 and 21 when we got married. I never missed a meal. Y'all can look up here and see that, all right? I've never, I never, never, no, I'll hide behind this, but I never missed a meal. We had a lot of Taco Bell. A lot of crystals, which contributes to body styles and body types. But anyways, so, but, we, but we live like this. I wish that was the only lesson of trust I had to learn. But as every season's come, there's been a new season of trust. Does that make sense to everybody? Listen to the way Simon Peter says it. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time... He will lift you up in honor. Simon Peter was trying to get this out of line too. If you go back to the gospels, he was ready to take over way before Jesus thought he was ready to take over. Jesus, even if all these other clowns go, I, I'm with you. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, you're gonna deny me by tomorrow morning. Simon Peter had to fail. And Simon Peter had to learn to trust. We got to live like this, not like this, with our lives, our hopes, our careers, our kids, 
God's timing. Number three, be prepared for detours in my plans. And that's okay. Be prepared for detours. Know they're coming. Don't let, don't think you're going to drive A to B and it's going to go perfect. College students, high school students, middle school students sitting in this room, set audacious goals for your life. I challenge you to do that. I still have the, the goals book I did when I was 14 years old. I still have it. Great. Just know this. You're not going point A to point B. It don't work like that. You're going to go, you're going to start at A and you're going to come back to K and then you're going to go up to M and then you're going to go back to R and then you're going to circle back to B. Just the way that it works. Does it mean God's forgot you? No. It just means that the Christian life's not a straight line. That you're constantly knowing, I am going to take detours and some of those detours are going to get you exactly where God wanted you to be. I remember telling a story, it was a couple months ago. My dream was to work in Fayetteville, Georgia, not to work in Kennesaw, Georgia. My dream was to graduate Liberty University, move back to my hometown of Fayetteville, and be a college pastor at my hometown church that does not have a college within 30 minutes of it. It's the stupidest idea ever, but, but that was my dream. That's what I thought I was going to do. I mean, now that I think about it, it was like career suicide. But anyway, so, but that was my dream. We're going to build a great college ministry in Fayetteville, Georgia. I'm going to be down there with Steve and all the people I grew up with. I'm going to know everybody. And that door shut, and the door to move to Kennesaw, Georgia, where I literally knew nobody opened. Detour. But it's exactly where God wanted me to be, and he's going to do the exact same thing for you. I wonder what this journey would look like if Paul had sailed directly to Rome. No jail time, no prison time, all ministry time. Would we only have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Acts, we'd have the story, we'd have Revelation, we'd have First and Second John, We'd have first and second Peter. But no Galatians, no Ephesians, no Philippians, no Colossians. No first and second Thessalonians, which I read at a funeral service on Friday. Because there would have been no detour in Paul's plan. Does that make sense to everybody? See, here's the thing. If you stopped the story here, you would go, God forgot Paul. Holy smokes. You're talking about a bum deal. He got a bum deal. But let's finish the story. His story wasn't over. And now there's yours. You just may be in a detour. You may be in a season that you didn't line it up to be. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I wrote this in my Bible, and this helps me remember it. Step by step, day by day. Step by step, day by day. Don't worry about tomorrow. I can't do anything about yesterday. Step by step, day by day. Live like this. Step by step, day by day. Live like this. This is not complicated. In fact, it's so simple, it's hard. Step by step. 
day by day. Tonight, I'll do an ordination service for a buddy of mine that's being ordained to the ministry at a church in Marietta. I got to wear a suit. Boo. But anyway, so I got to do that. I'm not going to wear socks. But anyway, so I, I'm going to go do this, go do this service tonight. And, and I said, what do you want? He said, I want you to challenge me on how to be faithful in ministry for 30 years like you've been. Step by step, day by day. Have there been seasons in those 30 years I thought God forgot me? Yes. Have there been seasons in those 30 years that made no sense to me? You better believe it. Have there been seasons in those 30 years I look back and think God made a mistake? You bet I'd have. But God showed up right on time. Never early, never late. Romans, Paul, this guy stuck in prison, wrote it this way. I want you to get this. And we know that God causes, what's the next word? To work together for the good of those who love God and are called apart, called apart according to his purpose. And we go, well, God, that's not true, Mike, because I'm in a crappy season. Well, look at what he said. And we know that God causes everything. God takes the junk and the stuff of this life and weave something that we can't imagine. Your everything represents a lot of denials and hurts and detours, a lot of questions and doubts and discouragement. God's not going to waste any of them. What would Paul tell us today? Paul would tell you, God's got you. Paul would tell you, hang in. Your story ain't over. Paul would tell you, you can trust him. He's not going to waste your time. He's not going to waste your experiences. And he's not going to waste your waiting. Trust him. I love this sign because the sign of control is this. The sign of being out of control is this. We live our spiritual journeys. We begin it by surrender. Jesus, take my life. And the minute we do that, we want it back. And to be completely honest, there's points in our journey we feel like we just know better than God does. I'm telling you, the journey of your Christian life is all about trust. And you're going to go to class in trust over and over and over and over. And you will do it till the day you leave this earth. So learn now to live like this with your careers, with your kids, with your marriages, with your families, 
with your tragedies, with your questions, with your doubts, with your hopes, and with your fears. He's got you. He's going to see you through. Would you pray with me? Right where you see today, would you just hold your palms out? Would you? It's just between you and the Lord. Between you and him, would you give him what you have desperately been trying to hold on to? Would you? Just give it to him. you tell him, God, I trust you with this. I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to be faithful. Those are controllables. What I can't control is what you have in store. I can't control that. But I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be hopeful. I give you me. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, Mike, I've never met Jesus. That's how you start. God, I can't, you can. And if you're in here today and you say, Mike, I've never met Christ, but I sure would love to. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I give you me today. Welcome home. For all of us others that know him, that are still trying to hang on, would you just tell him, today in your own words that you trust him.